This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson, and we are back to the old way just for a week. We thought, why not? We are, we're having Jake on a little bit later in the podcast, a patron of ours. But before we get into the introductions, the old ways, let's do some housekeeping first. If you're listening on iTunes, rate us five stars over there. The Onside Kick, the Fast Break Podcast, the Primetime Podcast, and the Rick and Johnny Podcast. Please go over there. It means a ton to us. Also, we're selling shirts. Check the description down below. Dave's modeling off beautifully one right, right now. there. Check the descriptions for the exact directions. You got to email mm-hmm. Ricky. You got to go talk to a troll, stuff like that. And also, because we're having Jake on, go check out patreon.com slash podcast. You can learn how to become a patron, how to be on one of our podcasts. It's absolutely a fun time. But let's go see the introductions. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. It's a little more tolerable. I'll you, tell you that. You know what I thought of when you said you got to talk to a troll? Hmm. Uh, I thought of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the day man and night Yeah, night you got to pay the uh, troll toll yep. to see this boy's, boy's hole. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Love it. Are you saying boy's hole or boy's soul? <laughs> Anyways, we were back here on the Fast Break Podcast. It's old times. It's like uh, it's like riding yeah. a bike. We're back on it. But Ricky, this is a we're throwing a probably a three wheeler well, out at your I, unicycle. Well, I yep. was excited. What was it last week? Two, I think it was last week. It was last Dave, week because Dave, was, Dave sick. was almost sick, and I had a wet boy lined up. It was going to be Kyle Lowry. It was going to be my first ever wet that boy. Fat booty. And I was kind of upset that I didn't get to uh, make him my first wet boy. But let's make your first wet boy okay. now. We're going to talk about some moist men. We're going to talk about some soggy shooters. We're going to talk about some damp dudes. This is wet boys. Ricky, who is your first wet boy? Well, this guy is the soggiest of shooters, and his name is Clay Thompson. I mean, this is a guy who I, I'm surprised he hasn't made the list already. He's the dankest because of Because he's been balling <laughs> out, man. 22.5 points in the last four games that they've played. More importantly, this guy knows how to shoot, shooting over 50% from three. I believe making his first ever wet boy appearance. This is his first, first wet boy wet appearance. Boy appearance. Uh, Steph has made an appearance, but also, just to mention it, they've all had four wins in those past four games. Mm-hmm. All four wins, all by double, uh, double digits as well. But yeah, no, this is first time uh, for Clay. So you're bringing your first timer. You're also bringing a first timer yes, alongside you. That, well, that's the thing. I wanted to bring a first timer to the table. Taking that wet boy Spre- virginity. Spre- spread the love. Not like Dave and give it to James Harden every This week. is a fun one, though, because Dave <laughs> From James Harden, I'd say uh, for once. I believe this is a, you. Also have a first time wet boy. I feel like I uh, have a first time wet boy as well. Yeah, I, I honestly don't remember if he has been before, but I'm with Boogie. Like the man has been a dominant force, and there's just not anything you can hate about. Like people are gonna hate Boogie because he's Boogie, but you gotta respect the game. He's out there playing point guard from center. He's he had that 40-22 night, which was just bonkers. And then I mean, come on, right now he's averaging like 30 points. Uh, 13 and a half boards, just shy of four assists, over two blocks and over a steal a game in his last four games. Just mm-hmm. this one week is just bonkers. He is dominating that team and he and Rondo, now that Rondo's back in healthy, like we're seeing a little bit of fun. Well, and AD's hurt. So and AD's hurt, so now, he really has to shine. Yeah, and now when AD comes back, it's definitely going to be interesting to see. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast after we talk to Jake about yeah. the breaking Jaleel Okafor trade. But before we do that, my wet boy, this is a first timer, I believe, as well. And I want to say the first rookie 
Wet Boy as well. I don't. Well, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. But if he counts, at least they, I wouldn't count him. He's the Red first shirt. rookie. Wet He's got to win a fucking rookie of the year. I, the first true rookie. <laughs> yeah. The first true rookie right. in Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell popped off on the first of December, putting up forty-one points. The last rookie to do so since Blake Griffin, but even then he's had games of 41, 21, and 31. That rounds out to 31 points in his past three games, and the Jazz are 2-1 and one in those games as well. And you look at Donovan Mitchell, 53 point, uh, 53% from the field, 46% from three, 83% from the line, also getting 1.7 steals per game in those three games. Donovan Mitchell has been absolutely on fire, and he's had a big game, uh, at least tonight. He's going up against uh, the Houston Rockets. So we'll see uh, James Harden against Donovan Mitchell and how he does against a, uh, a step up in competition. All right, but we're moving on now, and we're going to jump into Jaleel Okafor news. It broke today, and it gave us something to talk about. We have Zach Lowe from ESPN breaking the first news, and Shams came in with the details. But Philly sent Okafor and Nick Stauskas and a second-rounder, the 2019 Knicks second-rounder, to Brooklyn for Trevor Booker. we got to welcome in Jake. Jake coming in for uh, one of our patrons. We love him. Uh, A great guy. He's he's coming on for a second time now. And and Jake, you are a 76ers fan, so when you first heard the news, what were your thoughts on the trade for your Sixers? Thank God it's finally time. I mean, they should have traded him last year, and I even read something today that said um, they almost had a deal for Booker last year. So I think the trade altogether was a pretty good deal for both sides. I mean, Booker's in an expiring contract, so I think that works out well for the Sixers if they're actually going to go after LeBron this summer. Um, I think it gives Oak Four a fresh start, which is needed, and Nick Stauskas and guess play out his 15 minutes and get released at the end of this year. When you were watching uh, at least Ja play, uh, what, what, what do you think he can at least bring to the, 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 the Brooklyn Nets? I mean, he's a great scorer. I mean, what he averaged 17 and a half his rookie year. He, if you get the ball down to him on the block, he's almost unstoppable. The big question with his game, obviously, is his defense. I don't even think that he can't play defense. I just think it's his want to play defense thing. Last year, <laughs> if you watched some of the Sixers games, it was laughable, his defense at times. it's. I mean, he just didn't have a spot on the Sixers, but I think he can easily be a 12 to 14 points per game player on the Nets. And at least going to Dave and Ricky now, do you agree with Jake's assessment that it was good for both teams, and do you also think that at least Jack can be successful over in Brooklyn? I mean, define successful, but uh, yeah, I think well, at least Jake's at least definition yeah. successful. No, I mean, he'll get minutes, which is more than he can say for what was going on with this Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, I think it is a good deal. It's expiring contracts all round, so you don't really have to worry about next year. Trey Book brings in some playoff experience, a guy who can grind down low. He was a great uh, teammate, and I like the pickup for the Sixers. On the other hand, Jai gets time. We'll see what he can do with time. Uh, I I'm hopeful. For what he can do, but you know that we'll see how long like vegan jaw lasts, and if he like reverts back to his former lazier form, you know it is what it is, and they still got a second round pick for accepting him, basically. And Ricky, are you, are you, well, are you on the side of win win? The thing that I love that uh, Jake said because he took the words right out of my mouth is this sets up for LeBron to come to Philly. Let, let's start talking about it. Let's let's have the segment. Should LeBron go to Philly? Because <laughs> I look at this and I said, you know what, we're gonna take Trevor Booker. I don't care how you do. You're going to be a free agent next year because we're going to put most of our money at LeBron and get him to come play with Ja, who we'll see if he plays the full season, Dave. But well, he's not going to be playing with Ja. ja he's going to be well, playing with I mean, Embiid. Ja- Embiid, that's who I'm talking about. Embiid, Ben Simmons, Markel, let's see if he's healthy next year. Let's see what this team can do with LeBron. Let's start a, Let's start the bandwagon going there. Jake, at least being on Sixers Twitter and, and being a Sixers fan, is, is that a real pipe dream that people are thinking that LeBron's going to be coming to Philly? 
Yeah, I think it's a dream. I mean, the Cavs have won 13 in a row. I think I don't think he'll actually come to Philly, but I think it's a nice idea to think about. I think him and Simmons and Embiid would just be amazing to watch. But as of now, I think yeah, it's definitely a pipe dream. Yeah, be, I, I, I knew LA was definitely in the mix, and, and him staying in Cleveland was in the mix. But that's the first time at least here in a Philly. I know that. Actually, did we I, talk about Philly? We, we have. We have talked about yeah, that during the summer. Well, and the reason <laughs> why. It might be a pipe dream right now, but the big thing with it is all you have to do if you're the Sixers is put yourself into just the situation to, hey, let's put ourselves into position to where we can make an offer. Because let's look at what the Lakers are doing right now. Is that going to be a real hot spot for LeBron right now? Is he going to leave Cleveland? Anything is open. So that's what I'm saying on the field. Let's rate it back from LeBron going to the same and Let's get back to the shot talk at least. <laughs> because you did mention something, Dave, and, and, and we'll talk about that. Trevor Booker, obviously all expiring contracts. Stoustis is coming up. Jaws coming up because they declined his option to pick it up. And then Trevor Booker's going to be an expiring contract. Looking at this like 76ers lineup, you say that you know Trevor Booker brings that playoff experience that he had in Washington. He brings physicality down low. But you also look at there's kind of a log jam, at least in that in that front court. You have Embiid, you have Johnson, you have Saric, and you're throwing in the mix of Devin Booker. You also have Rashawn Holmes. So yep. looking at all of this, do you feel like it's going to be too crowded of a front court? Or do you feel that you know with the Embiid injuries that this is at least insurance for that? No injury insurance. He's oh. going to play. Don't worry about it. No, I think Johnson has kind of been a little bit of a disappointment, to be honest with you guys. Um, I expected more out of him. Yeah, to say the least. So I feel like Booker's just going to strip steal his minutes. Like, I think Johnson's the odd man out. Um, it's been cleared since the season started that he couldn't hang down low uh, with bigs in the NBA at this point. Like, I don't know. He looked decent with the Celtics lineup uh, under their system. Did not transfer well to the 76ers. Jake, do you feel the same way, or do you feel like uh, Trevor Booker might be lost in the flood there? No, 100% I feel the same way. Amir Johnson has just been getting bullied and he just shoots bricks 24 7 so i mean yeah i think his minutes will definitely decrease i think they'll mix him in slowly though i don't think they'll just take him right out of the lineup i think they'll both play like 15 minutes a game and then booker will start taking over his minutes yeah and at least the one thing i like with the sixers is, is like dave mentioned he, he has some play of experience it's not crazy nine games with washington yeah. but he does bring physicality it does bring the ability when jo- uh not jo- when uh joel Embiid is stretching the floor out He's going to be able to play down low. He's going to be mm-hmm. able to grab offensive boards, and he's at least going to be able to at least have a guy down low that can keep grabbing boards and dish it out to Joel Embiid. But the one thing I do worry about, um, at least with this lineup and having all these bigs, is you do look at the contract situation. You're going to have Amir Johnson expiring. You're going to have J.J. Redick expiring, and you're going to have Trevor Booker expiring after this. So at least looking at this, because you know LeBron, again, is a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. At least how would you rank, Ricky, at least the importance of signing these free agents and bringing these guys back. Well, I mean, the big thing is with J.J. Redick, I think about he's the one where I'm like, could he just be the one-year rental because of where he is at age? And it's like, yeah, you know, he does add shooting on the outside, but how much are we going to pay up for him? I think Trevor Booker is the one that, although I was like, yeah, you're going to be a free agent, that's obviously if they get LeBron. But if they don't, I think Trevor Booker might be a guy because it's like, hey, you know what, he might be a little bit cheaper than what they would have to give for a J.J. Redick. Well, and Amir Johnson right now, I think he's making 13 mil. Mm-hmm. I think Trevor Booker's making around 8 mil. Um, Jake, going to the Sixers fan, how would you rank them? Do you feel like they're going to bring back J.J.? Do you feel like they'll bring back either Trevor Booker or Amir Johnson, or do you feel like they're going to let him walk? I feel like I, Amir Johnson is definitely not coming back. That's not even a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think J.J., it all comes down to money, because obviously they're paying him $23 million this year. I doubt they even give him in that ballpark next year. It all depends. I mean, right now, even Redick is commuting uh, back and forth from Brooklyn. 
So I don't even know if he would want to re-sign after this year. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, Booker could be definitely a, a good backup center, but I think uh, Rashawn Holmes might take up that role after this year. So uh, all three of them might be gone, to be honest. Yeah, and Holmes does look promising. We obviously see the youth in him and the size of Holmes as well, and, and he looks like a physical, physical specimen out there. Um, but at least going back to John now, I mean, this is the, the he's the blockbuster part of this. I mean, mm-hmm. Trevor Booker is probably the better player right now. Is going to at least yeah. you know put more towards the 76ers than Ja ever was going to. But again, Ja third overall pick in 2015. Now they have the second pick in D'Angelo Russell and Jaleel Okafor now. And looking at Brooklyn, obviously their plans were kind of derailed with Jalen going down. And D'Lo hasn't been healthy so far. But Dave, bringing you back in this mix, how do you feel the number two pick in, in D'Lo and the number three pick in, in, in Jao will work together out in Brooklyn? I think it'll actually be decent. Um, and I'm going in with pretty low expectations. Like, I like what Brooklyn has done from a standpoint of an entire team. Like, they brought in, they got paid to take Damari Carroll, who's now playing like he was back on the Atlanta Hawks. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's been an amazing move after move. And that's why I, I don't feel like it was a steal to get Jao, but like, the kid has potential. He's still a good score. It just comes down to effort, motivation, and, you know, really if you can get him out there consistently engaged in the game because he he's one player where if he takes a playoff, it turns into two plays, it turns into three plays, it turns into his ass should have been on the bench five minutes ago because you're in trouble now. So I'm excited to see uh, him go out there, soak up some minutes, and see what he can do because honestly, when you can, you know, we, we all joke about like his rookie year rolled out of bed dropping 17-7, and seven, and not even trying, and like that isn't a mistake. There's talent there. It's just he didn't fit the Sixers program. He didn't fit into their timeline. And obviously, he was outshined by you know Nerlens and Ja and Joel Embiid. So it, no mistake there. But it's just there's still talent. I feel like give him time, let him play for 20, 25 minutes a night. Like you're the Nets. What do you have to lose? Jake, you mentioned at least on Twitter when, we, when the news first broke that you know D'Lo's not going to pass the ball to him, so that's something that they got to worry <laughs> to. Um, when you, when you look at that and the, and the pair of D'Lo and, and um, Ja together, how effective do you think it can be, and do you feel like it's going to be something that lasts past this year? Yeah, I could definitely see it last and pass this year. I think another thing with Okafor is he's actually expanded his game over the last two years. He actually has a mid range shot now, which he mm-hmm. didn't have when he came into the league. I think the pick and roll with them could be pretty good. Um, just a matter if D'Lo wants to pass the ball or not. Ricky, going to you because I know you're a huge Jaff well, fan because he's from around here. Yeah, he's a Chicago kid. <laughs> Local kid. The yeah. thing that I think most about this, especially from the net side, is it's kind of a win-no-lose situation because they could have been sitting there going, you know what, Trevor Booker, are we really going to be like, man, we got to re-sign Trevor Booker. I know that he's, the you said, like the better player out of this, not the blockbuster player, but they're like, hey, you know what, we give up one player, we get Ja, we get a second rounder, we get... Nick Stauskas, and guess what? If Ja isn't as good as what we thought, cut our losses, we get the pick, and virtually we just traded Trevor for a second rounder. And on Ja, this is his his time to say, I can either prove myself to whether I want to stay in Brooklyn or I'm playing for a contract somewhere else. Well, yeah, that's the thing is, I mean, even if he has a good season, you don't know how much he will be actually you know, mm-hmm. able to get because you see he has that great rookie year, but then, you know, when he, you know, these problems start to arise, he's not able to get, you know, that trade but, interest. But if he plays well, it's not about the how much you would get. It's about the interest you would get from other teams. And then you get another perfect contract with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You get to go where you basically get to kind of control the market and be like, hey, I want to go here have my agent call them to see where I want to go. You better watch out with how confident you're feeling about that. Otherwise, <laughs> you'll have what happened to New Orleans Noel happen to you. I mean, come on, another Sixers, another Sixers center 
who thinks they're bigger than they are, and then Nerlens ends up eating a, a tiny mm-hmm. contract this season. One thing I want to bring up, though, and at least looking at Brooklyn, because I, I mean, you bring up the the fact that it's uh, a you know win no lose situation. Yeah. Uh, Jake, you mentioned that it was you know good for both sides. The thing that I worry about, or the thing is, is that you know I don't think Ja is ever going to be able to be a number two or a number three on a team. I, I look at him, and I, again, we've, we've talked about this before. I feel like he's very limited in his game. You mentioned, Jake, that he's expanding his game, that he's able to take it to the hole, at least driving from the elbow, and he's developed a mid-game shot as well, and he's dominant down low. But then again, I just feel like you know that t- style of play is just so outdated. And, and we talk about him being soft. We talk about him taking plays off. And I know he's super young right now. I mean, again, two years ago he was drafted. He's 21 years old still. I mean, this kid, I mean, he's younger than Giannis. He's younger than uh, Malcolm Brogdon out there. I mean, he's younger than, you know, half the league right now. Um, it's something that obviously there's still a ton of potential there, but I don't feel like his game's going to change. I don't feel like this is something that, you know, you're going to be able to bring the talent out and you might be scoring points, but I don't feel like he's ever going to be a dangerous number two or number three. I feel like he could be a dangerous weapon weapon as like a four or a five at least option, but I don't feel like Jaws ever going to be a, a two or a three. Well, and that's why I just want to cut in here is another reason for this is the Nets, I feel like, didn't trade for Ja to be like, we need him to be the number one, number two. Yeah, no, I don't think that either. Let's just trade, see what he does. Hey, if he helps our team do do well, great. We don't have our pick anyways. And then number two is they've got a guy, remember they drafted Jared Allen. And in the last two games, he's been doing a lot better, actually getting some minutes as he didn't play much earlier in the season. So if I'm the Nets, I'm looking at going, hey, if Ja can help us here while we kind of still transition Allen and Allen can be our guy for the future, and with Ja, it's either... If he plays well, great. If not, cut him loose at the end of the year. The thing I just worry about, though, and and we'll go to we'll go to Jake next, is the fact that you know with the Nets and, and how they're building this team up is that they're taking on so many projects. They're taking on so many projects. When will it finally stop being a project, and when will you be going after and, and finally building this team? Because again, you know, trading away Trevor Booker is not anything that's going to you know bring you back a guy that's going to help you build for the future. Maybe Ja is that, and and again, I don't think it's a bad risk or anything. I don't think it's a bad move by the Nets at all. I think it's a good move for both teams, like we mentioned. But the thing about Ja and that I just worry about is. Like, what is the expectations for him? And even if he hits those expectations, like, I mean, again, he was a rookie that came in, and like you said, Dave, he dropped 17.5 uh, points per game and, and grabbed seven boards. But still, there was a whole, you know, the, the, the lack of interest in trading for him just completely went down. So I just worry about his future in the NBA and exactly what his role will be. And, and Jake, you know, seeing him at least for the first two years um, in, in Philly, what do you think his expectations will be? And what do you think his ceiling might end up being in the NBA? I mean, I think he's a role player. I don't think he can start as a center in the NBA, in, in my opinion. And then another problem the Nets are going to have is the fact that they don't have a lot of cap room with all the big contracts they've taken on. So re-signing him might even be an issue because I think they only have like 6 to $10 million for the next couple of years because Mozgov and Crab. But, yeah, I don't think Okafor could be a starting center in the league. I think at best he's probably your backup center, and he can get you probably 10 to 12 off the bench. And Dave, with you, I mean, do you feel like that's you know probably where he should be is around 10 to 12 as a bench center? Yeah, I think that's actually a really great fit for him at this point in his career because he can't defend against centers out there. And if you at least put him against the bench, him and his ISO play style work well against second stringers because guess what? He should be more dominant. His offensive game is so far ahead of where most people are at that he should be able to dominate second units defensively and then they won't be able to punish him as hard because guess what? Not a lot of teams have great second unit centers. It's usually about the guards, usually about the wings. Usually centers are just give me someone passable big who can roughly stand near the ball, you know? Mm-hmm. And at least looking back at this this 2015 NBA draft going to you, 
Jake, you see D'Lo and Ja obviously now not on the teams that drafted them two years later. Looking at as a Philly fan, do you feel like you guys missed out huge with you know taking Ja over Chris Stapps, or you feel like it was the right pick at the right time? Just a little bit. <laughs> but, I also, I, but I also look back at it. If we would have taken Porzingis, we wouldn't have got the number one pick in the next draft, and we wouldn't have Simmons. So. Mm-hmm. It works out both ways. Well, and then now you have you know Simmons and Embiid, and they probably pair better than Embiid and Porzingis yeah. do. So Simmons I, is the best. Yeah, Simmons is the best point guard in the league. But yeah, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, again, I feel like you know it might have been uh, you know salt in the wound seeing Porzingis right after Ja. But then again, you look at it, and now you look at the process and how it's all came together. I mean, yeah, you didn't get that big of a return for Ja. You weren't able to really turn him into that much. You turned him into Trevor Booker, um, where he might be a decent role player for you. Um, but overall, it was probably a bust of a pick. But it's not that bad in, in the grand scheme of things, because right now Philadelphia is looking like the brightest team of the future. Uh, Jake, any final thoughts on this trade that you want to throw out there? It's about damn time. That's all I gotta say. And I think that's where uh, I think that's what a lot of people's feelings are, especially Julio Okafor, because he probably just wants to play basketball. And I, I hope him the best. I think we all you know hope he does great out in Brooklyn because it'd be fun to see Brooklyn kind of turn everything around. But then again, you know, there's a lot going against him. He isn't on the greatest team, um, but it is about damn time. And, and you're right on that, uh, Jake. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, thanks for being a patron, bud. No problem. Thanks for having me on. But anyways, we're going to move on now to DeMarcus Cousins. We want to thank Jake for not only being a patron, but also coming in and being absolutely fantastic on the podcast. He's killing it. He could be He could mm-hmm. be the fourth member. If we were going to add a fourth he member, could. Jake could be the fourth member. So we want to give a big shout-out to Jake. But we're talking about Boogie. Um, he went off in his last game, 40 points, 22 rebounds, 4 blocks, 4 assists. He went off. But the reason we're talking about him is because right now the Norman Pelicans currently sit at 13-12. and 12. AD is out. Rondo finally came back. But you look at DeMarcus Cousins, this is the last year of his contract, and the whole question is, should the New Orleans Pelicans trade, or at least think about trading, DeMarcus Cousins? Because like I mentioned, 13-12, and 12, they're currently the holders of the 8th spot in the Western Conference, but behind them is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Obviously, we know Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo. Great team out in OKC. That playoff spot isn't locked there, so looking at everything in New Orleans and the boogie contract situation, Dave... Should they think about trading DeMarcus Cousins? Fuck no. Like, they'd have to be idiots to think about trading him right now. This is a team that hasn't even hit their stride yet on the season. They're, you know, it was like, okay, we're waiting for one guy to get back into Rondo, and then he comes back, and then Drew is a little unhealthy, and now AD is unhealthy. It's just wait until they all sync up, because right now they have something that no other team has, which is two elite bigs who are excellent ball handlers who can play out from the perimeter in and honestly, with a scoring guard like Drew, with Rondo to orchestrate this offense, like they have a dynamic team. Yes, they don't have a small four. Doesn't matter. It honestly doesn't. They have something um, which is a matchup nightmare for every other team. So give it time. Let them be healthy. See how the season plays out. Ricky, what do you think? Um, I'm going to say trade him. And the only reason why is you're not going to win it. The, the main goal of an NBA season is to win a title, correct? Not for every team. It should be for every team. But it's team. not. I, your goal is, hey, we're going to try the best we can to win a title. If you're not, don't even play the games. And oh. the thing I look at is you're never going to win a title with two main bigs. You need front court help, and I get the whole, oh, let everyone come back and gel. But you're already 0-3 to Golden State. You haven't played Houston. Let's see how many points you lose to them by. One of those teams right now, if the standings stay, 
you're going to play one of those teams in the first round. So if you're the Pelicans, if you're a fan of the Pelicans, are you going to be happy with, yeah, we made the playoffs, we're the eighth seed, or even the seventh seed, but we lost to Houston, Golden State, and Boogie walked. But what do you what do you think you could get back? Because yes, Demarcus Cousins is a fantastic player. Mm-hmm. You look at what the Kings got for him, but now there's one less year on that contract as well. So that's going to be less of a return. And if you feel like Boogie will resign, do you feel like then you should like? Are you thinking that he's not going to resign? I'm thinking in my head he doesn't resign because the whole thing with the Pelicans is. Look at the contracts they have. They're already mm-hmm. giving Drew Holiday right now. He's locked up all the way past 2020. He's got that player option in 21-22. They already have a big contract to Anthony Davis. They're already giving, like, Amir a Sheik. Solomon Hill has high contracts. Where's, Alex Zinja. Where's the contract. money going to go for DeMarcus Cousins? And I feel like DeMarcus is going to want his money, and he's not going to want to sign a lesser deal than he has right now. That's what I think is going to happen. They're not going to have the money to give what DeMarcus wants, and he's just going to go somewhere. So, I mean, that mixed with the, like I said, I don't think you win a championship with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins as your main one-two down low. I try to trade him and either get a pick or either get players that really, to me, yeah, no, it's just the pick. I try to get a first-rounder, a high enough first-rounder, that I can go out and get a guy who is going to be part of that future and not be the number one because I've got Drew Holiday, I've got Anthony Davis. Yeah, last year the Kings were able to pick up that 10th pick for Boogie and obviously mm-hmm. add in Buddy Heald as well and a couple other players. Dave, do you agree that he probably won't re-sign because he does bring up a point about the contracts. You look at what's coming off the books. Rondo's coming off, but that's only 3.3 mil and that's the larger contract besides Boogie's 18 mil right. that's going to be coming up. So you're going to have 18 mil, 3.3, 2.3, 1.47, 1.47, 1.429 coming off the books do you feel like that should definitely be a worry because you're going to have to max out Boogie? It's not like Boogie's right. going to take a pay cut. Right. No, I understand that. And it's I expect them, if they do believe in Boogie coming back, is they're going to have to move players like Omir, who finally has been you know medically cleared to play. It was it was back and forth on like, is he even going to play in the NBA again? You know, it was it was a really bad situation, which turned his contract into an awful contract. But now that he's you know healthy, seemingly at this point. You can move him. You can try to move some of these uh, poor contracts that have held you up to make room for someone like Boogie. I think that he's happy playing with Rondo. He's happy mm-hmm. playing with AD. So if you can get a happy, productive Boogie, like that means a lot. I don't know if Boogie would take a pay cut. I don't expect him to just to play for a team where he's happy because he can go somewhere else and be a true number one like if he wants to. And if that's his thing, that's his thing. But like we watched him do that in Sacramento for long enough. And after a while of losing, you just don't want to do it anymore. So I feel like he almost might give a discount to a team if he has the right situation. And what do you, I mean, do you feel like he wants to be at least the number one? Because right now it seems like he's pretty content, you know, being at least splitting time with Anthony Davis, being the number one. It doesn't feel like he has that desire to be the number one or the need at least to be the number one. Do you feel like that's something that he's going to look in for a team? And do you feel like that's something or maybe a reason why he doesn't resign with the Pelicans? With me, the big thing with the Pelicans is I think if you gave DeMarcus Cousins a choice, I think he would resign with the Pelicans. The big thing is, is are they going are they going to be able to give him what he would want, or will it be a hey, this is all we can offer? And Boogie goes, Hey, I know I'm not worth Anthony Davis money, but I'm worth more than well, that. He is. I could totally see he's he's well, he's worth I mean, I I I I'm not specifically sure right now. I don't think he can get the Supermax since he's not 
he hasn't been originally right. with that the, team. The point being, he w- he might not expect the same contract that Anthony Davis has from the Pelicans, but will the Pelicans be able to give him enough to where he feels like, yeah, I'm getting a fair shake in this deal. The thing that is going to make this even harder for the Pelicans is, you said it, like the Kings got a top 10 pick for Boogie. Is there anyone in the lottery right now that you can see giving up that pick? The only two that I see that would be like, yeah, we can take on a center, would be the Cleveland Cavaliers, who would Mm -hmm. love to have Boogie, and the only other pick I would want is if, let's say, I work out a deal with the Lakers, but I don't see that happening. Reason why I say that is those are the only teams in the lottery right now that are Lakers are building, but the um, Cavaliers are playoff bound. Well, the Lakers don't have their own pick. Well, then Philly you'd have to trade it to, but Philly wouldn't want to take on another center. They've got so many, and then they've got Embiid, but everyone (laughs) like. The Bulls, I don't see doing it. The Hawks, Mavericks, Kings, I don't see anyone in the lottery doing it. That's the problem that the Pelicans might run into with a trade is, well, we can't get a good enough draft pick, and we're not going to give them up for just nothing. Yeah, I feel like if they have any inkling that he's going to resign, they're going to resign him because it's yeah. stupid to let him walk. But the yep. thing that I, I, I disagree with you that he's going to feel like un- undervalued because he's not mm-hmm. making Anthony Davis money, but that's different because of the contract situation because of the whole CBA. Yeah. He lost like $30 million yeah. with that trade to mm-hmm. the Kings. So that's something where as long as he's getting a max, I think that's something. But they have to work out all those contracts. Look at Alex Zedinja. Uh, he's now going to be out four to six weeks uh, with a patella and tear, uh, uh, four to six months, I'm sorry, with a, a tear in his patella. Um, mm-hmm. and he's, uh, he's just been bad as well. He's yeah. it's a bad contract. Um, you talk about a Sheik. Obviously, no one wants to take on that contract with his current health problems. Yep. It was possibly a move. Uh, I think he was going to go to uh, the Suns early in the year. I think it was something they were going to work out with uh, uh, Eric Bledsoe, but that fell through. I just feel like they're in cap hell right now. I don't feel like they're going to free up that money. Mm-hmm. So if they're not able to free up that money or at least feel like he's going to resign with them, then you got to trade him because you can't let him walk for mm-hmm. nothing and then give up the whole farm, at least in Buddy Heald, in him, yeah. um, who I think end up being uh, – who, who did the 10th pick end up being? Was it uh, – uh, Zach Collins, or, or like because they they flipped. I it think. got bounced around a couple. I, it was I don't even remember it, it was something like that. But I know they took uh, De'Aaron Fox at five, yep. um, and then I can't, I can't bring 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 him a memory. The tenth pick was Zach Collins, but they switched it right. They flipped it because then they got they ended up getting yeah, the fifteenth pick Por- traded to Portland. Yeah, so, and then they got and then they got Portland's pick at Justin Jackson, Harry Giles, and then Harry Giles as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they pretty much gave up the farm there. Yeah. So. I feel like you can't let them walk for nothing. And, and and with the way the current team's going right now, I know you said that they haven't gelled right now with being, you know, only two long win streaks of three. And other than that, it's been win, lose, win, lose, win, win, lose, lose. Um, yep. You haven't been able to build a streak up. I feel like if it's getting closer and closer to that trade deadline and that, you know, kind of at least pattern hasn't changed, I think you got to look into moving them. And you mm-hmm. look at maybe uh, the Wizards and, and, and see what you can get from them. You look at uh, Cleveland, obviously, with that Brooklyn pick. Yeah. I think well, you definitely got to start looking for options because you can't let them walk for nothing. Well, here's the thing with the Cavaliers that I want to mention, and you can throw the Wizards in here too, because right now if we're using today as the barometer, the Wizards' first-round pick would be the 19th overall pick. Mm-hmm. But with the Cavs, are they going to say, you know what, we want to hang on to that Brooklyn pick because what if LeBron walks? You know what? We'll give you the 27th overall. And is that what Cleveland will do where the Pelicans go, no, fuck that, and they don't take it? Uh, they won't take a 27 no, that's or a 27. Yeah, they like, won't take is, a 19 or 27. That's the thing. Is Cleveland going look to for want a to trade? Pick. Are they going to want to trade that Nets pick well, thing. knowing with LeBron's future? In a similar what? situation. Mm-hmm. Their their star of the franchise is, is on the last year of his deal. So do they move the pick, which could be their future? 
Or do they go all in for this last year of LeBron and be like, we're going to consistently make an effort for you, LeBron, as long as you're in Cleveland. We're going to do everything we can, mortgage as much future as you want, and we're going to try to win you championships now. Well, and and we, that's where I, I kind of believe the yeah. Cleveland thing could happen for the Brooklyn pick. We bring up the whole cap hell as well. I mean, mm-hmm. Boogie's going to need a re, a, another contract. So yep. if you're going to trade that Brooklyn pick, you're probably going to want to re-sign Boogie. Yeah. So you're going to have to make more moves to the other Cavs, and then you're just going to keep mm-hmm. flopping. Well, it's like know. TT out the door well, with Well, TT's pick. only 17 mil. That's that's so, terrible, even just to say that So that's But that's something where <laughs> TT's 7 mil, but then again, so with Anthony yeah, Davis yeah. and TT work together, and then again, Christ. that's still 17 mil. We're going to make it more complicated. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> Playing 2K, Sean. I, I feel like they're going to get, if they do end up trading to Marcus Cousins, they yeah. won't get the right value because... Mm-hmm. A, he's on a one-year expiring contract, and then the other part is the fact that they're, they're they have the feeling that they need to get rid of him, so they're going to be stuck in the same situation the Kings were that he, his yeah. contract's running out and they need to get rid of him. I they see, feel you know like what's they need funny is think about our reaction last year when the trade happened, and mm-hmm. we we're joking around about like this is the deal you took, you passed up on other deals for this, mm-hmm. and at this point we're like. Nah, kind of worked out for you guys, well, Sacramento. That stupid fucking Vladdy thing where he was like, oh, there was better deals out there. Like, you don't say that if you're a GM. Yeah. That's like Ryan Pace if he got swindled by John Lynch. He came out and was like, yeah, oh, no, John, John. He did. He got swindled. But I'm saying like that would be like Ryan Pace coming out and be like, yeah, John just pulled yeah. a great trick. I, I'm stupid. You don't do that if you're a GM. Um, but got yeah, swindled by a rookie GM. I, I, I think that overall it's definitely something where – the Pelicans need to look mm-hmm. into trading Boogie. I don't know if it will happen. I think that all in all likelihood it won't happen. I mm-hmm. feel like they're going to try their best to re-sign him because, yeah. again, no one can match Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. You just need that point guard, that you know, the, the, the other three players in that starting lineup yep. to bolster it. I feel like it's not going to happen. Do you feel like at the end of the day, after the trade deadline, it's all sudden dead? It's done and over Done and with. said. Jesus said and Christ. Done. Said and done. Uh, do you feel like Boogie's going to be on a different team? The only team I will see him on... If he go, if he if gets traded, is the Cavaliers, and it's two reasons why. The first reason for these bad enough teams that are in the lottery, they're not going to say, "Yeah, let's build around our center as a number one." Because how many teams are going for the championship where their center is the number one player on their team? He's also a point guard, to be fair. And then also number two, I feel like the Cavaliers are in a sticky situation of, okay, what do we do? Do we trade for Boogie? Give up that Nets pick, but then getting Boogie could help keep LeBron. Or is it, hey, let's roll the dice here, but then, hey, LeBron, we're going to try to get Boogie in free agency and then even have the chance to lose LeBron. It's a sticky situation. That's what the Cavs are in. The most, the thing I miss the most about Ricky Woodmer being on this podcast is the fact that LeBron has been mentioned in every single <laughs> podcast topic so far, and we have not brought it up at all. They fully be a Pelican uh, after the trade deadline. I do believe he'll be a Pelican. I, I think there's too much of an opportunity for the playoffs. Anything can happen in the playoffs. We just watched Steph Curry go down with a rolled ankle. That's two weeks out. So, like I said... There are so many things that could go the right way or the wrong way for them. If they're healthy in the playoffs, it gives them a shot at a championship, and that's all you need to do. You need a ticket to the game. Let me yeah. throw, let and, me and throw and this real out quick, really quick. Real you quick. You first. Lo- losing Steph is a huge blow to the depth of uh, of yeah. Golden State. Who are they going to rely on? I mean, it's not like they have Klay Thompson, you know, Draymond Green. And they don't have a point guard, though. Question here. Do we, may- <laughs> do we maybe see, let's say, this needs an exact situation to happen. Let's say, because the one thing I'm thinking up, is who could get injured? Yeah. Let's say the Thunder lose Stephen Adams. Do we see a switch for like Paul George or Demarcus, or do they try to say, "Hey, you guys need a center"? It's still not working down there. 
We'll give you Boogie. What do you what, what are you gonna offer yeah. us? Brody and Boogie would just be straight up cats. Brody, team. Boogie, <laughs> Mello, and Paul George. I mean, that's just the, well, no, that's just the I, Olympic I think, team. I feel like if a Boogie to the Thunder happened, you'd have to give up either Mello or um, Paul George, and I would Ugh. think it'd be George Boogie would be the that, swap. I don't think you'd have enough to keep all four. That would be the swap. But I just pictured Carmelo going to New Orleans for Boogie. <laughs> I kind of threw up. I miss 2K Ricky because that's the yep. only place that I mean, trade's ever going to happen. I'm trying to figure out what teams could well, I mean, trade. I, I think I brought up the uh, before before we started recording. Uh-huh. You brought up the DeAndre Jordan sweepstakes. You know, uh-huh. is this kind of like on it's top the same of that? Teams. So if you don't want, you know, Boogie, are you going for DeAndre because the price tag is? Somewhat cheaper in my mind, the number one center in the game versus a very versatile center, mm-hmm. but still not you know a top you know one mm-hmm. clearly. Well, so. DeAndre's cheaper as well. That's what I'm saying. You don't have to worry about the contract. Well, and that's a trade where you I'm, do. I'm, I'm thinking this Cleveland wise. The DeAndre trade is the one where Cleveland could probably keep the Nets pick and give up the 27th and still get DeAndre. Depending on what they're giving that up, that plus, to. yeah, like Tristan I, in the twenty seventh. If for... they're if they're getting Boogie, I feel like that Brooklyn pick's gonna go. But I yeah, feel no, like you know, no, no, I'm agreeing with one. you. Yeah. I'm agreeing with you. Uh, but I also got to wrap it up, so that's why yeah. I, I stepped in. Um, but that's gonna wrap <laughs> it up. Uh, I feel like he, he's probably gonna be a Pelican after the trade deadline, uh, but maybe it's going to be up in free agency if he mm-hmm. does stay or if he goes. But anyways, moving into our, our final topic here, and we're talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Right now, they are in a pretty decent spot when you look at the standings. They're fourth in the Western Conference Finals, sitting at 15 and 11, and they're 5-5 five and five in their past 10, which isn't bad, but they are also on a, a one-game win streak. But the reason we're talking about them right now is because of Tom Thibodeau and I was looking at this, and I was wondering if Tom Thibodeau is just the correct coach um, for the Minnesota Timberwolves because we look at it, and it's really become a players' league. And you look at Mike D'Antoni and his systems working, and obviously, you know, we always talk about him being an offensive mastermind. But right now, the Houston Rockets are playing defense. Yeah. And you look, and and right now the Rockets are happy. And you look at the Timberwolves. Not saying they're not happy, but Tibbs is the defensive mastermind right now, and this is a defense that's in the lower half when it comes to uh, points per game, and they're giving up the best field goal percentage to opposing teams. And the reason we also bring it up is because Jimmy Butler uh, would like to have a word with Tom Thibodeau about his minutes. Uh, after uh, the win uh, against, uh, I think it was the uh, Clippers, right? It was the Clippers yeah, last Clippers. night. Yep. He said, yeah, we got to talk to Thibs about these minutes. These 40-game minutes are starting to add up. And you look at his past six games, he's playing 39 minutes per game. Um, and also in his last three, 42 minutes, 40 minutes, and 39 minutes, and 41 minutes. So his past four games, he's played pretty much 40 minutes in all of those. So taking all of that in, taking that the fact that they're having success compared to last year, taking in the fact that, you know, this defense really has a swung around, do you feel like Thibodeau is the right guy in Minnesota to be the head coach? I, are, are I we really don't. Are we really having this conversation second, e- second year into this man's tenure in well, Minnesota? Well, the first year wasn't that successful. It was the first year. Okay, but now this is success, yes, 15-11. But you have Carl yeah. Anthony Towns, who's a number one pick, and mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins, who's a number one pick, and Jimmy Butler, who's a top 15 player in the NBA, probably a top 10. Yeah, I'm sorry. He has so much talent on this team, and you can't will these young kids to play defense. It just, they, they brought in two defensive players in Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson, and then they go out, get Teague at point guard, who is no slouch on defense. He's like a 50 50 middle of the pack defender. But this team, for whatever reason it is, for whatever lack of effort trying, whatever it is, he can't get them to fucking play defense. It's just the end of the story. And then you watch the offensive trouble swing mm. where to start the season, Jimmy Butler was like, you know what? I'm going to be back. I'm going to do my thing. Uh, quietly, you guys are going to lead this team. 
I don't want to impose myself too much. And then you watch him struggle a little bit, and then he's like, all right, now I'm flipping the switch. This is this is now my team. Mm-hmm. And you see some more success out of them, but you also watch Carl Anthony Towns numbers go way down. His usage go down. And you wonder if like him becoming not invested is going to lead to, as I say, even further worse defensive effort, but I don't think that's possible. <laughs> you don't think it's possible for Cat to try less on defense? I don't I don't think it is. I mean, that's the one thing, is you look at Cat, I mean he's been working with Tibbs again, a defensive mastermind, and like Dave has brought up a million times before, mm-hmm. and I think I'm finally starting to see the light is Cat doesn't try on defense, and that's the, that's the only reason. I'm not saying he. Everybody he has getting the, on job on his defense. <laughs> Nobody cares about Cat's defense. But Cat's a transcendent player. Uh, <laughs> but looking at it, I just feel I, I want to pose the question because I, I know you guys have a ton of experience with Tom Thibodeau being yeah. your head coach. Jimmy obviously has the experience. Taj has the experience with Tibbs. But looking at it, I feel like this team should probably be better than where they are right now at 15 11. And they shouldn't be behind, at least in my mind, the Spurs with while. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is playing fantastic. They're without Kawhi Leonard. I feel like they should definitely be doing better than they currently are. They should be fourth behind San Antonio in my mind. Well, the thing that I look at here is I'm going to go back to and compare it to Thibodeau how he, when he took over the Bulls compared to taking over the Timberwolves. This is a completely different situation mm-hmm. than what he took over because when he took over for the Bulls, we were in the Vinny. Remember the Vinny Del Negro era? Hell yeah! You guys made was the, the yeah five hundred basketball being Just the eight seed? I know we made the playoffs. We were in basketball purgatory. But we were in basketball purgatory. I mean, we had that oh eight oh nine that that we should have beat the Celtics. <gasps> should have beat the Celtics. Greatest that was the one that went down. Series ever. Ah, the, the block, the the D Rose block right, around. Come on, guys. Pretty, but my point we'll is, about this last week, that's why. My point is, it was a playoff team. Vinny Del Negro obviously wasn't the coach. Thibs was able to come in, bring this team who had an MVP on the team. It was Thibodeau came in, Derrick Rose MVP season. Like, it was the perfect storm. This time it's, hey, I'm coming into a way younger team. Oh, and by the way, now we're going to add veterans at the beginning of my second year. I know them, but the other players don't know how to play. This team is still gelling. So I'm basically taking this year and treating it like year one but it's going to be better than last year. What do you think year one should, what do you think the expectations for year one should be then? For, for, for this year. For, for the Minnesota Timberwolves this year, what do you think Tom Thibodeau should be expecting from this team and what do you think we should be expecting Make from the team? playoffs and I'll be happy. Okay, well they're going to do make, that. I know, make the playoffs and I'm happy because then you can build from that and you can use the draft and free agency to help you out there. Look, and then Jimmy Butler assess almost what your single-handedly team carried the Bulls to the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know how you can say making the playoffs with as much talent as on this roster is an acceptable level. Like that's I'm sorry, that's just well, insulting. And the one thing I do want to bring up, you look at Jimmy's usage last year, it's at around twenty six point five, and you look at it this year right now, at least in the month of December, it's near twenty six. It's at twenty five point mm-hmm. eight. And you brought up the fact that the usage for Cat and Jimmy is pretty much flipped. You look at the month of October, Jimmy sitting at twenty percent, uh then it uh in November twenty three, and then at December twenty five. You look at Cat at the start of the year in October, 25, then he went to 23, now he's down at 20. Little flip for Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler. Jimmy Butler's taking over his team, and, and I think that's a bad thing. Cat, again, is still young. He's not playing defense. But the one thing, too, is Jimmy Butler is you said, still— You said you think it's a bad thing? No, I don't think it's a bad okay, thing. Okay. I don't think it's a bad thing. Okay. Because um, Cat's still young, and, and Jimmy Butler is the leader. I mean, he's, yeah. he's older. He's had he's experience. He's a great closer. Yeah, he's, he's a great closer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's shown his ability to at least take a team. I've always questioned whether he's a one or not. 
I'm a little, you know, siding with that he is a one now. Um, but looking at him, you know, he was always a shutdown perimeter def- defender. And you look at his defensive rating throughout his career, it's always been around 100, 104, 106. Mm-hmm. This year it's up near 110. That's a terrible defensive rating. And, yes, this team all around is terrible defensively. But even looking at Jimmy, it's not like Jimmy is completely buying in defensively. And this is with a coach that he's used to. Can I? I'm going to throw out this point and just see what you guys think of it. Is it necessarily him buying in or with just Jimmy's case alone, is this Jimmy, he was so used to seeing the same guys more often in the East, and now he's in the West, which is the better conference. He's seeing teams like Golden State and Houston and San Antonio more with the Timberwolves than he would have saw with the Bulls. Where it's like, yeah, you have LeBron in the East, you have the Celtics in the East, but when you play a team so often, you get familiar with them, and it's like, yeah, I'm going up against LeBron, I know what to expect. Yeah. This year being his first time in the West, it's kind of like, you kind of know, but you don't really know. I see your point, but it's still, you when you're going up against LeBron, it's like, you can be familiar with LeBron, but it doesn't mean you're going to be able to stop LeBron. I mean, you can yeah. game plan for Tom Brady as much as you want, but Tom Brady's going to destroy you and pick you apart. Mm-hmm. The Steelers have been playing him for 16 years yeah. now, and he hasn't thrown a pick against them since 2005. Jeez. So that's something where you – hey, I, I know my Tom Brady versus no, no, no. Steelers <laughs> stats. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying Jimmy Bull's team knew how to play LeBron. Yeah, but, we, but we Jimmy beat, doesn't forget how to play LeBron, and LeBron's the best player is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. So you, you, it's not like you can't go out and you know defend mm-hmm. you know these guys in the Western Conference because well, you're, you're, you're not used to them. I'm not saying you can't, but is this season – more of a gel because it's like, yeah, I've seen these guys before, but I'm not as familiar but with them as I was the, seeing the same guys over and over in the East. I, 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 I disagree because Jimmy is on the level where he's been in the league for mm-hmm. so long. He knows the best players. He's guarded them multiple times in his career. And it's not anything where I'm saying Jimmy is not tr- – I feel like it's just something where it's mom mentality where this whole team, mm-hmm. the Timberwolves, are not giving that much of a shit defensively. And I just feel like that's something within the culture. I'm not saying Thibs yeah. is a bad coach, but I feel like in this culture, they need a change. And I feel like it's something where I feel like players just want to be playing for a player's coach. You see it in Cleveland. You see it in L.A. I mean, I feel like those guys love mm-hmm. Luke Walton out there, Steve Kerr, obviously, in Golden State. I feel like Tibbs is pretty much of that old NBA mindset of you're going to listen to me. I'm going to dictate this and, and you guys have to play. You guys have to do what I say. I feel like these younger guys, especially Wiggins mm-hmm. and Towns, who have run the show for a while, are kind of just like, I get the fuck out of here, old man. Two things. First off, this is going back way back. Dave, the whole make the playoffs thing. Yeah. When you're Minnesota and you haven't made the playoffs since 04, you'll be happy making the playoffs. Oh, don't my, se- these, no, my, what second, I say, my second Minnesota thing, fans are, pro- are, are elated right wanna, now with, uh, with the, what's happening. I want to just pose this question out there and yep. just let you guys have it. Based off of what we've seen in Jimmy his last year in Chicago, yep. and based off your comments right now where you're saying maybe we got to talk to Thibs about the minutes, mm-hmm. could we start the... Is Jimmy a is is Jimmy a prima donna? No, no. I mean, look at all the drama that was around. It was really him and Wade at the end of Chicago with the young players. Now, could we maybe be seeing that now with well, a younger team? Jimmy just the, doesn't work the, for a younger the, team. The comment he made against Thibs was mm-hmm. it was there was seriousness in it, but he, it was mo- also it was a, joke. a joke. Yeah. Um. He but there's something there was definitely a seriousness about it because I mean he's mm-hmm. been playing for so so many damn minutes I feel like this is just something where again he doesn't want to be overworked and Thibs is of that old mindset yeah. of I'm going to like Greg Popovich I'm going to use it like a bar of soap Yeah. so I feel mm-hmm. like it again It's I don't think Jimmy's a prima donna at least in this situation let me throw this out then is because 
Back in the day, I know we had the rivalry, like, whose team was it, Derek's or Jimmy, yep. before we got rid of Derek. Is Jimmy a guy that can lead a young team? Look at in Chicago with him leading the young talent. And now now it's like, if you're throwing... There's a lot of talent well, there. No, no, that's why I air-quoted, Dave. Talent. <laughs> but now you're talking about the one word you're using is, if you're the leader of this team and you're saying take over, but then Sean's sitting there questioning you buying into a culture that you're already familiar no, with? I don't think he's not buying into the culture. I feel like he's just becoming a part of the culture, and I feel like that culture does not care defensively. Not, like, buying in is at least, so I think he's succumbing of, to okay. the culture of Minnesota, where right. they're fantastic offensively, mm-hmm. they know that they have the skill over every single team, I feel like Jimmy's just kind of falling into that okay. culture rather then, than Tibbs actually coming in and changing the culture, which needed to happen. Then let me phrase it this way. Now it's like, instead of having being the guy that, hey, I'm going to be the leader, we're changing this culture, we're going to play some defense, instead of being that, just being like the, what kind of like the teacher in the room, like, whatever, do what you want. I ain't but that's try the thing, to is that's where guys. the coach needs to come in. It's not like What's Jimmy, the point of having a coach? What's then? the point of a, having a coach? I mean, coach, you got Ty Lue out there. A coach needs a guy that's going to be an extension of him on the floor, and that's where Jimmy Butler would need to come in and be like the extension of Tom Thibodeau to but help him change the, the culture. You, the, you brought in Taj Gibson for the same reason, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and you, you could also put blame on Taj as well. Jamal Crawford's been in the league for how long? And Seventeen with, years at least, and he was you know? with Doc Rivers, <laughs> who was a part of Thibs. I mean, mm-hmm. very similar coaching tree. I mean, they should be able to come in and be like, hey, this is what's going to happen. I feel like this is a cultural thing, and I feel like they're just not buying into mm-hmm. Thibodeau. And it's just something where, again, you can make the playoffs. Again, they haven't made the playoffs since yeah. 2004. I'm not saying call for Thibs' head right now. No. Mm-hmm. We're, what, 26 games in the season. Yeah. It's very early. Things can change. But I look at all this talent on this team. Jimmy Butler, like we said, top 15 player. Carl Anthony Towns, probably you know a top Three center right now, probably behind Embiid and uh, Demarcus Cousins. There's there's some more guys there. Okay, top five, <laughs> whatever. Um, and then you look at Andrew Wiggins. He has the potential. He has the skill. Hasn't been able to put it together really all together this year. But we've seen the scoring ability. Yep. I feel like there's just too much skill on this team to be wasted. And if you're sitting with Tibbs just because he has that proven track uh, proven track record, then I think that might hurt you and, and hurt the development of Cat and Andrew Wiggins because they're mm-hmm. still young. Yeah, and, and that's, that's one thing, thing is I don't want to waste this future. I, I'm, I'm entirely with you there. It's it's the entire culture of stat lines of Cat and Wiggins have been so predominant in their first couple of years where that's all they want to see. And that seems to be what they kind of go for because defense doesn't show up on the stat line. Mm-hmm. And this lack of defense, I, I agree with uh, Sean that, you know, the lack of defense can't be pinned entirely on, you know, Jimmy and Taj and, you know, Tibbs not being able to turn around these kids, they have to give some effort. It, it's a entire team sport when it comes to mm-hmm. defense. Defense can't be one on one. That's not how they play. Well, and one thing too is uh, the reason why Tibbs was able to play, you know, a Luol Deng for forty minutes, um, was or, or Jimmy for forty minutes or whatever, was because he had the bench mob. You always look in yeah. Chicago; they always had a deep bench. They don't have a yep. deep bench in Minnesota, so that could also be a problem. At least with Minnesota mm-hmm. right now, you look at it right now, all five starters and Taj Gibson's Jeff Teague, Cat, uh, Jimmy Butler, and Wiggins all playing over 33 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. That's a huge problem. Those numbers need to come down. They need to be st- start playing less minutes because even if they want to try defensively, they're going to be gassed. I mean, this is something where you're running screens left and right. You're just constantly going through defenders. It's more at least, uh, I don't want to say physical, than you know old-style basket, but it, but it is at least more intense, I feel, Probably. with the way that screens are run, with the way that offenses are run, with the way that you have to play defenses with all these switches. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is something that you're, gassing your whole starting lineup out 
And then when you're going to your bench, you're going to Tyus Jones, you're going to Gorgie Diang, you're going to you know Shabazz Muhammad, and that's going to hurt the de- the the defense. I feel like mm-hmm. it's not all on Thibs, it's not all on the culture. I feel like there's definitely things to be improved in Minnesota, but I do question if Thibs is the right fit for these guys. I think right now it's a little bit too early. I would agree to make like you said, it's a little bit too early to call for Thibodeau's head. I mean, there is right now. I think he's injured, but they did draft. Justin Patton to help out. Maybe he can be a solid bench player for them in the future. But he's not a defender. He came in as an offensive guy. What I was going to go to is Jamal Crawford, is he really going to take the player option next year? Or could he be a guy that's like, you know what, I'm old enough. Fuck it. I'm it's done. free money. He might I'm, take I'm it. I'm closer to 40. I'm done. <laughs> Shabazz Muhammad is like, he. what are you going to do with him? I know he has the player option. You've got some guys coming off. You can get some guys to free up that bench. And right now, this is a team, although they are right now sitting at the four seed, on track for 47 last year, that got the Thunder the sixth seed yeah. in the playoffs. And Justin Patton is currently in the G League, by the okay. way. Um, but looking at at the standings real quick before we go to mm-hmm. I, I feel like they're probably going to be around that four or five spot. I mean, you look at uh, Denver right now, uh, Jokic is banged up, Millsap's banged up, so I, I feel like they're not going to jump them. Jazz, while Donovan Mitchell's been fantastic, he got his first wet boy. I don't know how long he can carry them, especially with uh, Gobert's injury. Uh, Pelicans, AD's out. Uh, Portland, they're fine. Uh, but I feel like right now you look at at least the health of Minnesota and, and Portland, I feel like there's you know at least a, a better starting five in Minnesota. I don't think I'm crazy by saying no. Jimmy Butler, Wiggins, and Cat is better than Dame, CJ, and, uh, and Nurkic. Nurkic. Um, so I feel like four is where they should end up landing, whether the, you know if we're basing mm-hmm. it off last year or not, because this is again is a, a very deep Western Conference. But right yeah. now there's a lot of injuries going on. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say, Dave? No, I was just going to say, Ricky brought the level of competition. I'm looking at the level of competition in the West and going. They haven't really played a whole lot of good games. Like they they one game against Golden State. They played uh, San Antonio early without Kawhi Leonard and OKC a couple times. Like that's it. And I'm OKC sorry. hasn't gelled. And that's the thing. It's like their their difficulty of schedule has not been that high. So when you see them at fourth place at this point in the season, I'm like, all right, that that's okay. But at the same time, I'm I'm looking long term at this team mm-hmm. and their development and seeing the same problems happened last year are happening this year with new talent, with guys who should know the system, who are playing well, but it's at the at its core, Cat mm-hmm. is who we thought he was. Mm-hmm. Wiggins is who we think he is. Like. Those things haven't changed, and players who are people who are always pushing, oh, he can learn defense, he can learn to do this or that. No, that's not that's well, not how it always works. The thing with Cat is just the the skill set, the length, everything is there for Cat to the be length a good is defender. We don't know about skill set for, for defense. Quick speed, long athletic. I mean, everything at least physically is there. So is Kwame Brown. Okay. Let's not be an asshole here to Kwame Brown. And, I know you are. And the thing that I just popped into my head was um, even like when I read coach cal's book Mm -hmm. like carl anthony towns seems like a player from that book that is a unique guy to coach where he would talk about where i guess he has a little a little miniature cat that he calls carlito that would be on his shoulder who he talks to and like that would be the main person that he goes through and it's like uh, like yeah like 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 the little angel devil he is that on his shoulder but it's I didn't know if it was a real cat. <laughs> that could have be. been something if he signed a scholarship. It could give be. You a small but cat. like that's a weird. And if anyone has the option, I would go ahead and read Cal's Coach Cal's book because it was just an interesting insight to coaching cat at 
Kentucky when Cal and Cat spent time together. And you're going to need that because yeah. you're going to be coaching the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, I hope. Once I'm going to put my fired. resume in. Yep. Um, but, Dave, I like the point that you mentioned. I think that's where we're going to wrap it up. Uh, you do look at their, uh, their schedule. They beat uh, San Antonio once, lost to San Antonio. Again, that's without Kawhi Leonard. You go up against Golden State. It was at Golden State, but you lose 125-101. And then you're losing to teams like Memphis after they fire Fisdale. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're losing to OKC a couple times. You're losing to Washington. They beat OKC early on, but early on, early on they're not gelling. You lost to Phoenix. I mean, they're not losing to high competition right now. Yeah. And, and, and when they do play high competition, they're losing is what I'm trying to say. Um, so, and, and you're, you're barely beating out the Clippers. At 13, 113-107 in your last game. So I feel like there definitely needs to be a culture change, and maybe that will come with Tom Thibodeau. There definitely needs to be bench help. I'm not saying this this roster's finished. This is this team could win a championship. But you look at all the skill on this team, they definitely should be a threat and definitely a top-four team in the Western Conference, and, or maybe top-five because OKC definitely has the skill um, there, but they haven't been able to put it all Can together. Can they gel together? Yeah. Any final thoughts, Ricky? It was your, ba- your time back on the podcast. No, I mean, really, that's it, it's nice being back. We're glad it's to nice have you back. nice being back with you guys. We're glad to have you back. And Sorry it, we couldn't have New York behind us. It's true. Mm-hmm. And we were going to just throw up the green screen <laughs> yeah. and see what happened. Dave, any final thoughts? No, no, I think we nailed it down. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Fast Break Podcast. If you're on Box Talk Radio, we thank you so much. You guys are the best. If you're listening on iTunes, give us a five-star Rating the Onside Kick, Primetime Podcast, Rick and Johnny Podcast, and the Fast Break all on iTunes. If you mm-hmm. have the time, give us that five-star rating. Also, we're selling shirts. Check the link down in the description. You just got to email us. Uh, we'll be able to send you some shirts. We got XL, large, medium, mm-hmm. small, all able to be shipped out. Dave's wearing the shirt right now. Um, and finally, check out patreon.com slash mostvalpodcast. We're going to give a huge shout-out to Jake, who is on this podcast, did a great job helping us out with the jaw coverage. Mm-hmm. But... All the people on YouTube, check out tomorrow. Don't forget to subscribe. Check out tomorrow because we got a fast break OT edition coming your way. But for Dave Oster, for Ricky Whitmer, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.